This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 248 with Danny J. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes for our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 248. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. This is part two of my interview with Danny J. If you didn't listen to part one, that was last Wednesday, episode 246. Make sure you go listen to that first because this episode won't make a ton of sense to you without that backstory. And today we are going to be talking with Danny J. And you will learn all about who she is in episode 246. You will learn about the beginning of her journey as a teenage mother who was struggling with a serious eating disorder. She was seriously depressed with ongoing suicidal ideation at the time that she found out that she was pregnant. She had been suffering sexual abuse at the hands of her cousin. She was going through all sorts of tumultuous situations with her family in regards to their religious beliefs. Things were rough. And she dives into that part of the story and what led her up to having a baby at age 16 in episode 246. Today, we are going to talk about how having a baby at age 16 saved her from her eating disorder, her depression, and her suicidal thoughts. Also, how giving up her baby actually gave her life purpose again. 
how her now grown daughter has coached Danny on meeting her own sperm donor biological father in the last year, how opening all the doors in her biological family relationships has improved all of her relationships with her parents and why she is a shameless mom, even though she did not raise her daughter. So we get deep into the story and there's more tears in this episode, just like last week, but also it ends in a really cool way and on a really high note. And I think you're going to be really, really excited and impressed and just really intrigued by the layers of this story and how amazing it is when we take responsibility for writing the endings of our stories. And you can see in Danny's story in all the different ways that she chooses to write the endings to the different storylines in her life. And it's pretty freaking cool. So this episode is labeled explicit because of some of the content manner. And I think there's a few language, maybe F-bombs or something like that here and there. So just in case there's little people around you wanted to give you a heads up on that, put in some earbuds take a moment to yourself, maybe pour yourself a glass of wine because this is well worth spending some time listening to and absorbing. So let's go ahead and finish up part two of this interview with Danny J. Because I remembered all the thoughts that I had finding out about, you know, being born from a donor and the stories that I made up. And I thought she's going to have these kind of stories, even if they're true or not, right? She's going to think that. So I really, really give her or her birth, all the credit for me still being here. It was literally just a decision. And there were many times in my life over the years that I still was massively suicidal. And then I was like, crap, I can't. Like, it was literally just, I can't. I can't do it. I have to stay here. Like, I have to. And then it turned into, not only can I not, like, I have to do something amazing because what if she finds out and she feels like, wow, my mom gave me up for adoption and she's still a loser. I could have just, stayed, you know, like I could have just stayed with her because she didn't make anything of herself. And so I felt like I was given the second chance and I had to freaking use it. And so I actually turned into this almost like overachiever. You know, I ended up graduating high school early. My last semester, I just got straight A's like before I was really just barely making it through my classes and didn't care about anything. And then I graduated high school early. I graduated college early. I got my master's degree. I just went into this massive overdrive because I felt like, oh my God, I have to make sure that she realizes that I didn't make the wrong choice. And Mm -hmm. because, you know, if I had kept her, I would have been on welfare. I would have had a different life. And so I'm like, well, now I've got this opportunity to do stuff. I better do stuff. Because otherwise I'm wasting this complete opportunity that I just gave her and I gave myself. And so I traveled a lot. I did a lot of things. And I also, to be honest, had this massive fear that I would still somehow die before I was 30. And so I I still was struggling with my eating disorder. And so I made these little goals. Like I had a goal to see 30 countries before I turned 30. And one of the reasons was just to give me something to do. It's so crazy to say, but you know, when people always well, they'll say like, I know what I wanted to be when I grow up. But when you just want to die for so long, I had no aspirations. I had no goals of like what I was going to be as an adult. So I literally was just always looking for quote unquote stuff to do. Mm-hmm. It was like, I have to stay alive. I've got to do something. So like I set these little goals, like I'm going to get a degree. Okay, cool. Check. I'm going to get a master's degree. Check. I'm going to go to 30 countries. Check. I mean, it, it's crazy as it is, I've done so many cool things in my life, but mostly just to keep myself alive. (laughs) Wow. That's so interesting. And you talked about in your podcast with her that you, which you've also alluded to here, that you had this like sense of accountability that you would someday meet her 
and you wanted to be able to tell her like all the amazing things that you have done with your life and share that. And you you obviously just shared some of the ways that you were trying to do that. And I think it's so interesting that you had this relationship where you struggled with your parents so much and you didn't want to do things to impress them or prove yourself to them. But on the flip side of that, you have this daughter who you don't have a relationship with and you're like basically living in many ways so that you can prove yourself to her whenever you might get to see her again. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. So can you talk to us about, so before we get to you reconnecting with her, can you tell us about, did you share your experience? Was this something that you just hit, like it was done and over and hidden away? Or were you sharing this major life experience with people as you encountered new people in your life as you became an adult? Oh, no, it was definitely hidden away. So I went to a new high school. Funny enough, I actually went to a new high school without even telling my mom. There was like a performing arts high school. I auditioned and my boyfriend was going to go there for art and I didn't make it. And I ended up trying to go for language. I went for French and I got in and my mom knew he was going there. So she didn't want me to go there. She didn't want me to see him again. Once she was born, she was like, you're not allowed to see Danny anymore. And so it was like two things were taken from me. My baby was taken away from me and my best friend and the person who helped me get through it all was taken away from me. And so I ended up making it into the school because they worked and left early in the morning. I got a ride with a girl from church and then she lied about it. And then Danny had a car as well. So I got rides and I I ended up going to the school for a full quarter until I got my grades. And then once I got my grades, Obviously, I had to show my mom and I got straight A's. And so I said, you know, look, I'm going to this new school and I'm getting straight A's. So there's nothing you can do about it. And I've already been going. So tough titties. Oh my gosh. So I went to, you know, a brand new school. Nobody knew who I was. So nobody knew that I had a baby and I never talked about it. I didn't make a whole lot of friends because I was only there for one year in a semester. I graduated early. didn't really intend on making friends. And I also just felt no longer like a teenager. I felt like I couldn't relate. I was like, I wanted to get out of school. I felt like I had seen things that, well, not that I felt like I had seen things and I had been through things that most teenagers couldn't relate to. So I just felt like I couldn't relate. I was on a different path. Like I was no longer wanting to drink and do like party stuff. I was like super, super serious. And I got a job and the people that I knew at work, I never told them about it. I literally just didn't talk about it at all. And it was interesting because then, of course, I start getting into my 20s and my friends start having babies on purpose. And that was an interesting time for me because they would talk about their pregnancies or they complain and I'd have to act like I didn't know Mm. what it was like. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, and every pregnant woman wants to commiserate. Right, right. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, well, when I was pregnant, this happened. And I, yeah. I couldn't because I had to act like it didn't happen. Oh and so gosh. that was difficult. And then the other part that was difficult for me was that when I was pregnant, it was tragedy. It was negative. It was like, we don't celebrate this. You're not having a baby shower. Like this isn't something to be celebrated. And suddenly, you know, just a few short years later, somebody says they're pregnant and you're like, congratulations, and you're celebrating. And so I struggled, I really struggled for all of my 20s, I would say, with that. And in a big way, one of the reasons I don't think I will ever have children again is just I had a hard time wrapping my mind around how can it be okay now that I'm five years older or a few years older and it's a celebration and everyone's congratulating and 
when it happened before, it was, we don't talk about it. This is negative. This should never should have happened. You know, even though the baby's still the baby, she's still the miracle that she was. She was still as perfect as she was. And it really messed up my mind around it. And it was really hard for me to, to, and I get it, you know, logically I'd get it, but emotionally I really struggled with how it's okay for some people to have a kid and yeah. get perfect child didn't get that same. And of course she did, I'm sure with her adoptive family, just right. not with me. Right. And so there was a lot of stuff around that. The first time I talked about it, I actually was podcasts were pretty new. It must've been 2011 and I got interviewed for a fitness podcast and I brought it up then. It was the first time I ever talked about it and it was really, really vague. She was 12 at the time. So it was 12 years before I'd ever said a word about it. And in a way, I was a little bit scared because I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to out her family. I didn't really think anybody, you know, I didn't know who they were really or anything at the time. The internet was super new and everything like that. But I was kind of wanting to talk about it sometimes, you know, I parents love to talk about their kids. They love to brag and show pictures. And I, you know, when I got pictures of her, I wanted to show people, but I couldn't. And so it was yeah. always like this silent, like I had so much pride, but I couldn't share it. And I had so much sadness and I couldn't share it. And so for the most part, I didn't really tell new people, new friends or anything. And also it was just like, how does it come up in a conversation? It right. just doesn't. Right. It's like, when you're 24, nobody expects that you have kids. So they're not like, oh, do you have any kids? And then if you do, like, even the answer still, well, no, I don't. But it's just such a weird thing. It just doesn't come up. So mm. when I met new people, new friends, you know, and I felt bad because some of my friends that I know for years didn't even know until about when I met her. You know, they're like, I've known you for 15 years and I didn't even know you had a baby. And I'm like, I know. And I felt bad not telling them, but there were many times I wanted to, and then I just froze and I freaked out about it and I didn't know how to bring it up. Yeah, I can understand that. It's a big thing. And there's never a time where you're like, now's the natural time to tell us, <laughs> you know, yeah, it would just fit yeah. so perfectly into this conversation. It's like, that's probably right. not going to happen. Yeah. It's, so it's not like it's, it's not easy a conversation to be, starter. Right. It's easy and to it's just also, be and it's also, Yeah. And it's also something nobody just asks you straight right. out. So it's just, yeah. And there was, you know, and two, there was so many things I didn't know. I felt like maybe I could talk about it later when things were maybe wrapped up, like if there was a reunion. And I guess maybe that's too why it is easier to talk about now yeah, because there's, there's a, a little, little bit of um, a resolution. Yeah, but, that totally makes sense. So tell us that before, part. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that her whole life, I'd always hoped that she'd want to meet me. You know, I write letters to her or to her parents. I keep journals for her and I guess I just always wanted to know that she was supposed to be here. You know, I didn't want her to think that she was an accident. She was unplanned, but she was definitely supposed to be here because, you know, my intention was for her to not. <laughs> and there was a much bigger reason. And I never wanted to feel like I felt, I guess, when I found out about the sperm donor thing. Mm. So that was actually a big thing with her parents. I said, I need you to let her know she always needs to know that she's been adopted. I don't want her to just have it sprung on her when she's 13 and be like, surprise, we're not your mm -hmm. parents. So, and that was something that they agreed to. And also that they said, you know, with their son, he had always known. And her mom was actually an adoptee as well. So adoption was big in their family. It was just always kind of something that she was around luckily. But around when she was 15, 
so because the internet came around and there were some mistakes with the social workers, they gave me some identifying information around when she was seven. I did some search engine stuff, which was pre-Google, and I found her family. And I didn't really do anything with the information for a couple of years. And then I sent them a letter in the mail. And I said, hey, I know where you guys are. And like, I don't want to freak you out. I'm not trying to come back and like be a mom and take your kid or anything. I just want to let you know, you know, where I'm living now. I had moved. And if you want to stay in contact, here's my email address. And so emailed me back. They said, hey, we were a little freaked out, but we're excited you found us. And yeah, let's just basically create an arrangement where we message you two times a year. We'll message you on her Christmas and her birthday. And her birthday is exactly six months from Christmas. Actually, she just turned 21 on Monday, uh, June 25th. So they would email me on Christmas, just let me know what, you know, what she got and how she's doing in school and then her birthday. And around when she was 15, I happened to be going to California and for a, a treatment. And I looked at the address and it was like seven minutes from where she lived. And so I emailed her dad. I said, hey, I'm going to be in California. Maybe I can meet you guys for lunch. Not her, but just the parents. And he said, sure. And so we agreed to meet. And then I'm freaking out like this is a bad idea. I'm shaking. And I was thinking, I don't even know what he looks like. I haven't seen him in 15 years. And anyway, I ended up going and her mom wasn't there. And he said, well, I wanted to tell you in person, but we just got a divorce. And he felt so guilty. He's like, you know, you chose us and you expected that we were going to be together. And, you know, of course, luckily at this time, I'm, I've gone through some life and I realized that things aren't always perfect. And I was like, listen, <laughs> stuff happens. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I guess, too, you know, one of the things I even told Courtney, my daughter, is that I wanted you to have a better life. I don't want you to have a perfect life. Right. You know, I think that some of our struggles make us, make us better. So... Yeah, he told me that. And he said, well, maybe you want to message her. You know, she's been going through a rough time. And so I go, oh, okay, I'll send her a letter. And he goes, no, I don't think you should send her a letter. I don't want her mom to see it. Maybe you can message her on Facebook. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't realize she's on Facebook. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is a bag of worms that I didn't expect. Because I don't know, in my head, I'd only pictured her as a baby that I saw. And then I had this fantasy of like a reunion when she's an adult and like we're in an airport and there's balloons and, you know, you like you have these reunion fantasies. Right. It was that didn't involve Facebook Messenger. It did, not, <laughs> yeah, it did not involve Facebook, nor did it involve contacting her before she was 18. And so I was like, ooh. So I waited a few months and then I finally did decide to message her on Facebook and I kept it really brief. I didn't know what to say. I'd, I'd say it was something along the lines of, you know, hey, I just wanted to, I didn't even say like, hey, this is your birth. I'm assuming if she saw my name, she'd know who I was because I'm like, how do I, you know, how do yeah, we address like, what's this? What's an appropriate intro? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things. So I kept it really brief. I just said, hey, I'm thinking about you and I hope you're okay. And then, of course, this is right when Facebook had the new thing where, it would show a little check mark and said seen. So you oh. know if somebody read it or not, because before it didn't. And so I kept checking it. And then all of a sudden I saw she read it. Oh and then gosh. I'm just dying. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's read it. She's read it. When's she going to write back? Well, she didn't write back. And I checked every day. She didn't write back. So pretty soon I just go, okay, I'm just going to let it go. Well, it was like a month and a half later. I'm at a Brenda Burchard event and I'm like waiting in line and I get this little ding on my phone that I got a notification. And it's from her and I ran to the bathroom and just started, I mean, hysterically sobbing. And she wrote just the sweetest note. She said she was just so grateful that I messaged her and that she was happy to hear from me and that she was doing well and that it meant a lot to her. And 
that she felt really special that I had messaged. And I mean, like I said, I just lost it. I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, I can't breathe. I finally get out and this lady in the bathroom gives me a hug. I mean, I was crying. Probably she thought somebody died because I just was, this is the first time I'd ever heard from her in my life. I didn't know anything, you know, what she would be like, how she would respond. And it was a much more positive response than I had anticipated. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And then after that, it was just a little bit of, you know, we didn't really go back and forth. We didn't have a whole lot of correspondence, but she started following me on Snapchat. I'd see if she'd see my stuff. She would like some of my things on Instagram once in a while. So it was kind of like this weird few years of just, we were like stalking each other. (laughs) Speaking of stalkers. (laughs) And, And I just, you know, I needed to keep it that way too, because I really wanted her to be an adult. I wanted her to have full understanding and I didn't want to interfere in her life. I didn't want to come in as like, Hey, I'm your mom. And it's like, I wanted her to know her mom's her mom and her parents are her parents and I'm here for her, but I wanted to respect that and wait till she was an adult and she can make that decision. So when she turned 18, 
pretty much the whole year before she turned 18, I was like in a panic attack. I mean, literally every day I'm just going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Am I going to meet her? And I pretty much had a feeling her birthday would come and go as it did. You know, nothing would happen. Like it wasn't going to be this like, yay, you're 18, here we are. But I knew that the possibility was there. And so I found out that she was moving to New York for college. And so I waited until she moved. And my family, we all put together this big package for her for her birthday. Of course, it was late. You know, her birthday's in June. We didn't send it till August. But everybody wrote her letters and we sent her some money. And we like I had because I've been stocking her enough that I could kind of see what she liked. <laughs> so I found some I found things that I thought she would really love, you know, stuff that she was into. And we just sent her this giant box. And then we just waited. And again, she didn't respond. Oh, my gosh. Torture. (laughs) And it was like, okay. And I just knew, like, I had to be patient, although it killed me because I was like, okay, this is the way I felt. I tell people it's almost like you have a crush on somebody and you don't want to be, like, too aggressive. Mm -hmm. You're like, I really, really like you, but I'm trying to play it cool. Right. (laughs) So it was like, okay, I know who she is, but she doesn't really know who I am. And I'm just trying to play it cool. I know she's like a teenager and she probably is just like, who's this stranger to me? And so literally I'm like trying really, really hard to be cool and not be too aggressive, show her that I'm really interested, but also like not be too interested. I literally felt like I'm trying to date somebody. (laughs) But the stakes probably felt much higher. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And then there's just the massive fear of like, yeah, the rejection. What if she just totally. doesn't want to have anything to do with me? What if she hates my guts? You know, I actually started looking up at this point, I started looking up blogs about adoptees and so many adoptees are so angry. They feel abandoned. They feel like they were tossed away. And all of the things that I just never wanted her to feel, I was like, oh my God, she hates me. She thinks I'm a monster. You know, I just felt like she doesn't understand where I was. And of course, I'm just projecting all this stuff. And I just have no idea. I'm just so scared, so scared that she's going to hate me. I'm so scared that I did all of this for nothing. And she's going to wish that I I kept her anyway. Or, you know, who knows, like just lots of thoughts going through your head and stories you create. And we did have a few little back and forths. And I was kind of trying to gauge whether or not she wanted to meet me. And she made a comment, something along the lines of, you know, I'm asking my friends what I should do. And they just kept saying, you decide, you should do what you want. And she said something like, I just wish somebody would tell me what to do. And so I took that as like, you know what, maybe sometimes I think we just do want somebody to tell us. And so I found out she was going to be in California. And I happened to be going to California to speak about an hour away. And so I figured I'm going to try something new. I'm just going to tell her. I'm just going to say, instead of asking her, does she want to, I'm just going to say, hey, let's meet. So I sent her a new message. I said, hey, I'm going to be in California on these dates. Let's meet on one of them. And she just wrote back, okay. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally, she was just like, okay. I nearly just crapped my pants. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't think that was going to work. I didn't think she'd respond because she hasn't been responding to anything. And this is really happening. I am just panicking. So... She said, okay. And then I'm going, oh my gosh, where are we going to meet? Everything is so different. You know, like my ideas of the airport fantasy is going to be totally different. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to be like in a really loud place. I wanted to be quiet so I can just like talk to her and get to know her. So I ended up, we decided to meet at an IHOP at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, so breakfast place is going to be dead at one in the afternoon, which it was. So it was a place close to her house so she could walk there because she didn't have a car. She walked and I get there and I just like waited and I sat there and my ex-husband was 
I go, okay, keep an eye out for her. So then he texts me. He's like, she's walking. I see her. He took a picture of her on the street. So I'm just waiting inside. (laughs) He's like relaying from the outside. And then I sat there. I sat there for a while and I'm like, I texting him like, where is she? Where is she? He's like, I don't know. She disappeared. Well, (laughs) if you listen to the interview, I guess she sat outside the door for a minute deciding whether or not she was going to go in and she made some kind of list of like, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) (laughs) And so she's got her own stuff and I'm just sitting in there panicking. So I'm looking at my phone and all of a sudden I just hear a voice just go, hello. And I looked up and she's just there and that literally is just the moment that like, I just want to keep etched in my mind and my heart forever. But one of the things that you know, I'd seen pictures of her and I had an idea of what she was like from watching her line. But the one thing I just didn't know was like her voice. And it's one of those things that you just don't expect to like think about. And I just couldn't stop going, oh my God, like her voice is so sweet. And she just <laughs> like, it was just one of those things where I couldn't stop looking at her and I kept saying, I'm like, oh my God, you're so cute. You're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't stop gushing over her, but we had the best conversation. We sat there for about two hours. And, you know, I think one of the things that was cool was we felt like we knew each other. I think part of it was from the stalking. I think in a way we did know each other, (laughs) but there were just so many things that were really amazing that couldn't be more than just, straight DNA, you know, just funny, funny things that were just like, wow, that's my personality. And, and I think that was cool for her to see too of, you know, she knows where she was born and what her parents are like. And she's like, I didn't get that from them. And she could see something in me that was really interesting in herself. And so I think there were these really fun, fun things that we were able to kind of see in each other. That's so cool. So in addition to getting to know her and like having that come full circle. It's around the same time that you start meeting members, a biological father and siblings. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was such a crazy year. I mean, honestly, I was like, what is going on in my universe? Right. right? Like that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> but it's a lot, but it's interesting because there's so many connections and similarities. Like you were just saying like the things like making these connections that there's things the similarities between you and her that could only be because, you know, you're her biological mom. And then I'm imagining you had really similar situations in meeting your biological siblings and father. And like, that's so much at one time. And it's so fascinating that you had it going on in two different realms of your life. Oh my gosh. It was literally just one of the craziest years of my life. So literally it was about, okay. So it was about nine months later after I met her and after we met, we hadn't seen each other again. Um, we talked very vaguely, you know, just like text off and on. She's, you know, obviously she was 18 when I met her just about to turn 19. She's not the greatest texter. She'll tell you that for sure. (laughs) And so, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of like, once we met, it wasn't like instant fireworks. Same thing too. I was still in that, like, be careful. Don't try to force yourself on her. You know, I was still trying to like, let her be a bit in control of the relationship. So it was about nine months later, I was at my mom's house. And again, we had not talked about my sperm donor, anything since that day, not at all. And out of the blue, my mom just goes, Hey, how many nationalities are we? And I was like, I don't know. 
like, it was such a random thing to say at the most random time that it was just like, why are you even talking about this? She's like, well, your grandma says we're seven different nationalities. And I'm just like, okay, whatever grandma says. Yeah. And then she goes, well, you took a DNA test, right? And the funny thing was, is that I had taken a DNA test back in 2013. I had taken 23andMe because I had found out that I had a blood disorder Mm. that was a genetic blood disorder. And I was afraid since I didn't know where my genes came from that I possibly had other, you know, things that I should be concerned about. And because my parents didn't give me any information at the time, 23andMe was like being sold as like, you know, they could tell you your chances of cancer and all this stuff. And then the FDA took that down and they wouldn't let them give so much information. But so I took this test and she reminded me, you took the DNA test. I go, oh yeah, I did. And I go, well, I'm like, if you need to know right this minute, how many (laughs) nationalities we are, let me log in and I'll tell you. Because for whatever reason, she just seemed to need to know right that second. So I go, oh, let me log in. I hadn't logged in in years. So this was 2017, right? I I took the test in 2013. Probably that was the last time I logged in. (laughs) So I log in and I was like, okay, here we are, mom. It's, you know, just a bunch of ugly white people in the British yeah, I'm like, here's us, you know, she's like ugly white people. I'm like, you know, I want to be something fancy, like Scandinavian or Swedish. And we're like British. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm showing her. And then I was like, oh, this site looks a little different now. And then I see on top, it says DNA matches. And I'm like, oh, what, what is this? I click on that. And then there's like this warning that pops up and it says something like, something along the lines of be careful information you find might be sensitive. And I was like, okay, click. And right at the very top, I see anonymous half sister, Aubrey half sister. And I just like, my face got bright red. My chest got bright red. Like I just couldn't breathe. And I looked at my mom. We like looked at each other and just like, what did I just click on? Because I grew up with one brother. (laughs) Right. And I see all of a sudden two half sisters and I'm like, oh, my God. And my mom just whispers, your brother still doesn't know. (gasps) And I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And so my dad is sitting there watching TV. He's like kind of not facing us. And my mom and I are just looking at each other sideways going, oh, my God, what did we just figure out? What did we just find out? And then I'm going, "Okay, maybe this is wrong. I don't know what this is. So I click on the girl who's the name who's showing and I Google her and Sure enough, she's born in the Bay Area where I was born. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is real. This is real. This is real. And I find some pictures of her and I'm like, yes, this is real. Like her eyes and her cheeks. I'm like, oh, my God. So my next thought is, well, this must be the sperm donor's kids, right? It has to be his daughter's. Because in my head, I didn't imagine that there was actually more than me. I don't know why. Right, right. So I also found that there was a two cousins that were matched to me through the sisters. So they must be cousins on the biological father's side. So I send a message to all of them, to the two sisters, one anonymous, one has the name and then the two cousins. And I, I'm still trying to be a detective here because I'm like, I'm not certain that these kids aren't from a donor, but I'm not certain that they're not his kids. I just didn't know. So I messaged them brief message, just saying basically, Hey, I'm from a donor. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you. (laughs) Like, does this sound like something you are too? Or do you know if your dad did something? And then I messaged the cousins and I said, Hey, I see that you're connected to these two girls. Do you know them? Because I figured if they don't know who they are, then those girls must be from a donor. And 
these cousins uncle must be a don't like if they could figure out one of their uncles did it. Right. So I messaged them all and it was about two weeks later, nobody had responded. And then two weeks later, I get a message on Facebook from the cousin and she said, Hey, it was on my birthday mm-hmm. again, another trippy thing. She goes, Hey, Danny, I just see, I saw it was your birthday and I thought it'd be easier to message you here, but I think I know who you're looking for. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said, is it your uncle? And she goes, yeah, it's my mom's uncle. And we know he was a donor. And she's like, happy birthday. (laughs) And we go back and forth for about an hour. She goes, he would love to talk to you. I gave him your information, but he's kind of old and he can't figure out Facebook. And I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, how is this happening right now? And I lost it. I start bawling. And of course, actually the first person I text is my daughter. And I was like, I said, how did you meet me? Like, because I, and I'm messaging or I'm texting her and I'm going, I have a chance to talk to him, but I'm so terrified. How did you do this? Like, I don't know how you talk to me without being terrified. She was like, I was. <laughs> and she goes, listen, she's like, if this is the advice you would give me, you don't have to meet him. You don't have to talk to him right now. You don't have to do anything right this moment. And it's so funny that I was able to have that kind of conversation with her because yeah. it was such a similar experience. And so I finally, like, after calming down and, like, crying and not even knowing why I'm crying. I'm just, I guess I don't know like how this would ever happen in my life. I never thought I would find out who it was because it was anonymous. There was no records. There was nothing. So I never thought that I would find out who it was. And if I could have asked for anything, I just would have liked a picture and like a few physical descriptions so I could have some kind of idea of why I looked the way I did. So the fact that there was actually a real life person on the other end was freaking me out. So I ended up calming down, decided to call him. I was like, okay, if Courtney could do it and meet me, then I can make this phone call. (laughs) And I called him and we ended up talking for about an hour, maybe close to two. And it was so great. He answered so many questions that I didn't even, you know, that I had and didn't even know I had. I, I was like typing notes on my computer. He was telling me about his family, how old they were when they died, you know, health history, why he did what he was doing. But what he told me that night blew me away, which was that he was donating for 15 years and that he had started asking the nurses, did we get one? Meaning like, did we get one pregnant? And he said he stopped counting after 80, (gasps) potentially had over a hundred half siblings. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So not only did you confirm that he was not a homeless drug addict, but you confirmed that you have over 80 siblings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just like, I hung up the phone and I'm like this, like I'm looking around for hidden cameras. I'm like, am I, you know, right. like I'm, I'm in show. It's really my life. Like, is this real fucking life for me now? I don't oh, know. Cause gosh. I can't even handle what's happening. So I, yeah, I was in shock. And then, of course, I called my friends, Jill Coleman. I call her and literally, I mean, these none of my friends know this about me. This is something besides Courtney, at least they started talking about a little bit. This is something I did not talk about to a single soul. So because again, just brother, doesn't come up in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't come up. My brother doesn't know. I don't want to dig it out to him, like all of these things. So and I don't like I'm afraid it hurts my dad's feelings. Right, so right. I don't bring it up. Like, it just isn't talked about at all. I don't like there's so much. So I'm like, I've got to tell somebody like I have to tell somebody. So I 
call Joe and I'm just like, you have no idea what I just found out about myself. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, we weren't for sure, for sure that this was the donor. Pretty sure. But I asked him to take the, the um, DNA test just to confirm it. And one of the sisters ended up messaging me back. She said she was also from a donor. And I said, well, I get, think I found him. So she didn't want to talk to him until it was confirmed. And she was getting married in April. And it was funny because we ended up finding out the week before she got married. And she was like, oh, I was hoping it would happen after because I think she just wasn't ready to mentally deal with it. And then our donor, he jokingly said, do you think I should offer to walk her down the hill? <laughs> oh I love that he seems like just a super cool guy with like a good <laughs> sense of humor. And... Oh, my gosh. You know, and that was actually so huge for me. Just the fact that he said that, I go, this is so my dad. Like, this is so... Because I just have such a lighthearted sense of humor. I just have to make, like, when stuff goes so crazy, I'm like, really? Okay, this is where we're at. So now is just a time to laugh about it. And so I was like, and my family's very serious. My mom is very serious. My dad is a sense of humor, but a little bit different. And I was like, wow, this is definitely where I get that part of my personality from. And so it was also just one of these full circle things of going, I never felt like anything was missing. But once I talked to him and once I met him and just and like saw these little pieces and glimpses of like my personality, it was like, it was almost like how Courtney saw some of herself in me, I could see myself in him and going like, Oh, that's why I do this. And this is that explains a lot, you know, a lot of things growing up where I felt so different, or I felt like I didn't quite belong in my family, I could see where these things came from. And it just like, all of a sudden, it would make sense. And the pieces started to like click together. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. So ultimately, so those two sisters were there. And then I had taken a test on ancestry. All of a sudden, a brother came out from nowhere on there. So actually, I found out about him. And then my daughter got to meet her biological dad, Danny. He lived in Korea. And so he hadn't been home for like eight years. He was able to come home. And so she got to meet him and all of my family. And then the same week I found out about that the donor was like confirmed. And then I decided I needed to tell my parents that they needed to tell my brother because I didn't want to keep it in anymore. And so we had that conversation. I mean, all this happened within two weeks in April. It was like, oh, boom, boom, my gosh. boom. So we told my brother. So he had the bomb dropped on him at 33 years old. So he had to go through that process of like realizing that my dad's not his dad when he's 33. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What was his response to you knowing for all that time and him not knowing? I think he was more mad at my parents for not mm. telling I told him that the way I found out, I just didn't want him to find out that way. And I think he understood. Yeah. You know, it's like, again, how do you, and this is actually people ask me, I've had some people message me who've had donor conceived children, you know, when should they tell them? And I, and it's the same way that I wanted my daughter to know, like, and I actually asked Courtney on the podcast, how did she find out? And she said, she just always knew it was kind Mm -hmm. of one of those that was had in conversation. Yeah. One of my half sisters, she always knew, but part of the reason she always knew was because her mom was a single mom. So there she, there had to be obvious, right? Yeah. But for most of us, most of the siblings that I found now, we didn't know because our dads were our dads. And so it was kind of like back then I heard some of the doctors told the parents not to tell. They were Mm -hmm. like, there's no reason to tell. There's no reason you'd ever know. And of course, at that time, there was no reason we'd ever find out. But they didn't know that DNA and social media. (laughs) They couldn't project Facebook. Yeah, but today I think my advice is just you don't need to sit down and have the conversation. It just can be like at the kid's understanding, you know, the younger, the better, the more often you can just have this conversation where it's just nonchalant. And then they can ask more questions as they get older. But to have a bomb dropped on you at 13 or a 33 is when you're a traumatic life event. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. It actually can be really nonchalant. You know, I have to take into account that the dad sensitivity or the mom sensitivity, I think there's this piece of it's not really protecting the child. It's really protecting the parent. And unfortunately, yeah. it's not fair because yeah. it's not fair to the child who doesn't know what they don't know, right. who could possibly have, you know, diabetes, who could possibly have any kind of genetic things that they just don't know because the parent feels bad that they couldn't have a kid. Who cares? Like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I can't imagine if I wanted to have a child and realize that I was unable. However, for me, and this is a conversation I've had with my dad now, you know, I think my dad, he said, we've had some really good conversations lately, because this has come up. And because I've met my sperm donor, my dad, he goes, so, you know, are these guys replacing me now? And I was like, Dad, no, like, this is great. And it's great to know, but you're my dad. And you've always been my dad. And he said, Do you think I loved you any less? And I was like, absolutely not. If anything, I think you love me even more because you decided to bring a child into this world and you raised a child that you knew wasn't biologically yours and as your daughter. 
And so I think that as adults, we get worried that somehow we're going to be less, you know, maybe in the teenager, like, you're not my real dad. It's like, okay, teenagers say dumb shit all the time. Right. <laughs> right. They're going to say something hurtful no matter what. Yeah. yeah, it may happen. Okay. But ultimately, you're still their parent, you know, mm. ultimately, yeah, that can happen for an adoptive child too. it can happen for shoot, I probably said it to my parents, not even knowing like, <laughs> you're not my real mom. I mean, how many kids like just wish they want to say they were adopted just so they can just say that stuff. I mean, we all have this fantasy, like when we're pissed off and we're teenagers that we can just be like, you're not even my real mom, I'm running away. But I think that the earlier, the better because it's easier to have the conversation. And then it's, it's almost like, I really think that you almost care less when you just always know. Yeah. We were given advice when we were going through infertility stuff. And I've heard this from other people as well. Like the professional advice in the world of psychology and social work is to treat everything very factually. So like we've talked a lot with Vinny about like some mommies and daddies can make babies at home and like, we haven't yep. gone into the whole like penis and the vagina and all that, but we've gone into like some mommies and daddies do this at home. And like some mommies and daddies have to go to the doctor's office. And we went to Dr. Chanel's office. And like, so he yep. has a sense of, and he's five and a half. He's like, okay, cool. Whatever. Like he yeah. could care less, but there's not going to be this huge blow later on down the road where he's like, wait, what? Like yeah. they just said, they're like, it's all science. It's just science. Yeah. And so, and it's just DNA and it's just, you know, so if you can keep it very simplistic and just share and they're like, okay, now can I go play Legos again? Like totally. it's a non-event versus a traumatic event. And there's, there's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, definitely a huge difference. And one of the big reasons why it was so important to me when I met Courtney's parents was that they told her from the beginning was because of what happened with me finding out. I was yeah. like, I don't want her to just find out all of a sudden that she's not your guys's child. Like she needs. And so that was one of the, big things for me in picking parents uh, for her was that she always knew. And not because it was important that she know who I am, just because I didn't want her to go through that identity crisis that mm -hmm. I went through right. of going, wait, where did I come from? And I thought all along, like I looked like my mom and I don't or like, because you can like really easily see characteristics of yourself and somebody even that you're not related to. There's tons of people who say to her that, oh, you look just like your mom or you look just like your dad. And she's like, haha, that's funny because I'm not related to them at all. Right. But you can easily see that in, in lots of people. And so, you know, when you do that, and that was one of my struggles was I used to be told that I looked just like one of my cousins on my dad's side. And then when I found out, I was so upset. I'm like, I was mad. I'm like, why would you guys say that to me when you know full well that I'm not even related to him? I felt like I was lied to. And so I just think it's, it's my opinion, at least, and at least coming from now my siblings. So now it's been a little over a year and there are over 15 of us so far from now these tests. So I found two initially, the two half sisters, and now we're at 15 or 16 half sisters and brothers. I've met 12 of them so far, I believe. Oh my gosh. I've met the sperm donor in person. I actually just went out there to film a Japanese documentary about two weeks ago. And it was really fascinating. I actually got to meet his son that he raised. And so I got to learn about, you know, what was like actually having him as a dad instead of just a donor. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really fun. But it's been really cool. You know, I feel like the biggest tragedies of my life, which was so shameful and so sad, has turned into one of the coolest blessings of my life. And one of the things that I think is really unique about me and has made me really learned myself better. 
And same with, you know, meeting my daughter. One of the biggest tragedies of my life turned into one of the biggest blessings, but it was not without so much heartache and pain and getting there. But I think that, you know, it's really crazy because, you know, I kind of mentioned before my relationship with my mom was rough. And so I used to struggle with the idea of family and like, you don't have to love the people who gave birth to you. Like family is who you choose. And I still believe family is who you choose. And I think family is DNA, but it's, there's lots of crossover and there's so many things that make family family. It's not about just blood and it's, it's definitely about relationships. I have two more questions for you. How has being so open and sharing your stories and your journey, what has been the impact of that in your life and how has it like, you know, opened you up, kind of fueled you in the last couple of years? I think, you know, starting to talk about it has, interestingly enough, it's made my family much closer. Oh, I love that. I think the secrets were one of the things that were keeping us all at arm's length. Mm. And so finally that, you know, kind of the closure, because there was so much anger and so much around Courtney's birth, that was tough, you know, even after she was born, it was like not talked about. And so actually being open and finally talking about things has opened up a lot of avenues with my relationship with my parents, with my brother, my brother and I never really had a relationship at all. And he, for the first time, it's so funny, he got his DNA test and he found some new half siblings of his own. And he called me on the phone and I was so crazy. I saw my phone ring and I was like, my brother's calling me. He's literally never called me in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he called to tell me that he met his half sister and I was so excited for him. And, you know, the conversations with my dad, you know, about probably some of the feelings that he's had that he never asked me, like, do you think I loved you less? Like that was a conversation we needed to have that he probably has been worried about for years, but we weren't able to talk about it. And so being open has, you know, obviously social media, it's, you know, allowed me to connect with people and let them share their stories too. But in my personal life, it's made, I think my whole family a lot closer, which has been a huge blessing. That's so cool. Okay, final question. In what ways are you a shameless mom? Girl. <laughs> I mean, you've only given us like a million ways already, but I don't know that you fully embrace yourself as a shameless mom. So now I'm giving you the chance to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I don't. So I'll kind of share this last and I'll answer it with this story I was going to tell at the beginning, which was Mother's Day. My first Mother's Day after Courtney was born, I went to church and my social worker went to the same church and she was about 28 and she wasn't married yet. And she wanted more than anything to be married and have a baby. And at church, they were giving flowers to all the moms that walked in and they handed her a flower and they didn't give me one. And I saw her crying because <laughs> she got one and she felt like she didn't deserve it. And I didn't get one because I didn't look like a mom because I was 17 and I didn't have a kid with me. And I realized that <laughs> Mother's Day is really hard for a lot of people, yeah. for those people who really want to be moms, for people who've had a baby and lost, you know, lost their babies and don't have them anymore, or lost their children for so many, so many reasons. For people who like, you know, maybe like me even had a bad relationship with their mom and so they didn't feel like they could buy one of those pretty Hallmark cards and give them to their own mother. And I think that ultimately, you know, if I think of the word shameless, <laughs> it's just like owning your story 
And if I can say any way that I'm being a shameless mom is at this point, it's finally just owning my story, like not holding any secrets anymore and just owning all of it and owning the fact that my mom wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, nobody is. And ultimately we're all just doing our best. And so I guess that's the way I'm being a shameless mom. I love that. That is a really great ending. (laughs) So can you tell people where they can find you? And definitely yeah. please promote your podcast. Oh, <laughs> among yeah, other yeah. things, among anything else you want to share. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to hear more of the story, episode 18 and 19, the adoption story, and then 19 is me interviewing Courtney, my daughter, which I think she did such a great job. And that's called The Best Life Podcast. You can find it on Instagram. It's The Best Life Podcast. And of course, on Stitcher and iTunes under the Best Life Podcast. And then, of course, I am on Instagram a lot and all the things, dannyj.com. It's D-A-N-N-Y, like a boy, J. And then it's spelled dot com, D-O-T-C-O-M. And if you find me on Instagram, then you can probably find me on all the other places or just find me on Facebook, too. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Danny, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. And I wish you were here next to me. I want to give you a huge hug. I'm so grateful for you sharing all of this and sharing it so openly. And I mean, I think it'll touch all of our hearts as moms who listen to this show, but I know it will touch a lot of our hearts just because I think we've all been through things that we hide and we keep to ourselves and it creates pain and anguish and heartache. And I love that you've taken this opportunity to be open and sharing and take ownership over writing the endings of your stories and kind of promoting things to be in a really positive place rather than keeping them buried in this place where they don't have life. And I think that's so powerful. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy you are getting all this stuff out there too. And if it can just help anyone either feel less alone or just more understood, it's all worth it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get all episodes as soon as they're released and you never miss an episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button. While you're there, please also rate and review the show. Let me know what you loved. Let me know in what way you are a shameless mom. And remember, shameless mom of the week nominations come from our reviews. So if you want to be nominated, you got to leave a review. So make sure you leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, share this episode with other shameless moms in your lives. The way the show grows and the way we build our community is by you all spreading the word. So take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will make sure I reply as quickly as I possibly can, sending you lots of loves and shout outs. And I can't wait to connect with you there. Until next time, have a great day. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.